Hello, and welcome to Just Therapist Things, where we talk all things therapy. My name is Jordan, and I am an associate marriage and family therapist from Southern California. I currently work in a private practice where we focus on child anxiety reduction, and I also do some work for a nonprofit cancer support organization. Hello all and welcome to today's episode. I am so happy to have an amazing guest with me today. Caitlin is an associate marriage and family therapist with a specialization in art therapy. We have been working together for about two years now and I have been lucky enough to see her art therapy magic firsthand. So Caitlin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Aw, thanks for having me. This is fun. I'm excited that you invited me and I'm excited to have a conversation about this. It's important. Yes, me too. Me too. So first off, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. Okay. So yeah, I'm Caitlin. Uh, I'm from Chicago, but I moved out here in 2008 to go to undergrad uh, where I majored in studio art and uh, double majored in studio art and media studies and minored in Africana studies. And I really enjoyed college and being in beautiful, sunny California with all the beautiful plant life. That's what really drew me here. I remember coming out the first time and seeing like a bird of paradise. And I was like, okay, I need to stay here. So after college, I stayed. And yeah, that's, it's already been over over 10 years since then, since I graduated. So I've been in LA living and yeah, I'm a, you know, a creative person. I live on the east side of LA. I like to make art and play guitar and go to karaoke. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Uh, A random fact about me is that I can make balloon animals. I am obsessed (laughs) with everything circus. I love like aerial arts. I grew up doing circus arts and I'm still into it. I had like a unicycle that I would do up and down the block. And the only thing I can't do is juggle. I just never got that. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Okay. So it sounds like that you've always been really creative and really just artistic since you were young. Yeah. Yeah. I was really lucky to grow up in a creative family. Uh, my grandfather was an art collector. It's actually a piece of his behind me that <laughs> Jordan can see um, that I'm really lucky to have at my home. And uh, he began collecting and then became a gallerist after that and has uh, galleries in Chicago and one in New York. And my grandma was an art historian. And she was a published author Mm -hmm. in Chicago public artworks, uh, painting, murals, sculptures. Yeah, so I grew up around a lot of art. I was really, Mm -hmm. really lucky. It was a cool childhood. My mom, also super creative, uh, was a lighting designer in New York and worked at my grandfather's gallery. And then she actually became a therapist in her 40s. So... So yeah, cool. I I got really, really lucky to be nourished by creativity in my formative years and mm-hmm. always been into it. And yeah, 
Yeah, that is incredible. Yeah. So it really sounds like art was just kind of ingrained in you from a young age. So I'm guessing you probably always thought you wanted to do something with art in your life. Exactly. I always knew I wanted to. I was always doodling and in class I would create like I kind of wanted to be a designer. I would create like runway shows on note cards. <laughs> <laughs> and I would do like all these different looks or I would uh create a lot of artwork about personalities, like I would create a, a person and then I would create like their whole personality and what they were into and like their different outfits. <laughs> and I was just like really into that type of thing. And yeah, all my notebooks where I, you know, probably should have been taking notes are filled with doodles <laughs> <laughs> all throughout childhood and high school, especially. I was mm -hmm. just always doodling if you thought yeah something that so, is awesome yeah I always knew I wanted to do something there you know I had some feelings about becoming a fine artist because mm -hmm. there was this idea kind of, of of what art was in my family growing mm -hmm. up and I was more into like crafts and almost like folk art like a lot of my art is about patterns and shapes and things like that and so I had mm -hmm. a you know my own anxieties about about like what that was and what my place would be and right. knowing that it was like my greatest coping skill I wasn't sure I wanted to be a working artist because mm -hmm. I you know you hear that when it becomes your job sometimes it feels a little bit different like you go to work and you don't want to come home and continue doing your job all the time right <laughs> so I was really sensitive to wanting to like protect that part of myself like that creative part mm -hmm. so yeah I became a graphic designer after college okay I was kind of unfulfilled by it after a while I felt like I wasn't as inspired to make my own artwork so Went back mm -hmm. to the drawing board, so to speak, uh, <laughs> before deciding to go back to school to be an art therapist. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. That is so great. So did you always, well, it sounds like you didn't really always know that you wanted to be a therapist. You kind of changed your tune. Um, so how did you figure out that therapy is something that you wanted to do and that you wanted to incorporate art into it? Yeah. So, you know, it, uh, in my 20s, becoming kind of like disillusioned with, um, you know, being a graphic artist and that type of thing, I just spent some time like exploring, just, you know, figuring out what I wanted to do, the type of stuff you do in your 20s when you have no idea what's going on and, <laughs> and you know, kind of just meandering trying to figure it out and that you know in in retrospect I think it all kind of happened in a way that makes a lot of sense but I was definitely looking around for something to do exploring having some confusion uncertainty all of those natural emotions when you're in your 20s trying to figure it out and so my mom is a therapist she uh, went back to school to become a therapist in when in her 40s when she met my stepdad who also when they met 
had a career change, became a teacher. They both went back to get master's degrees when they met and kind of like reinvented themselves. Mm -hmm. And she had always, you know, stressed that it's a career isn't something that's for life. It's, you know, and I think in the, in the past, it has felt like you're locked into a career forever and it feels kind of, you know, stifling, but she always taught me that it doesn't have to be like that. It can just be for now and that's okay. And she kind of set that example by having multiple careers and I've seen her have multiple careers. So that was really cool. And that allowed me the freedom to understand, you know, it's okay. Let's just like figure something out for now. And that kind of organically brought me to looking around for schools. My mom had a friend who was an art therapist. My mom is a therapist. I'm, you know, really into art and it's also important that I do something that's fulfilling and meaningful so I thought it would just be something it was kind of the perfect meeting of things I'm into Mm -hmm. and I so I applied to Loyola Marymount as a program in Los Angeles and I was very lucky to get in especially because it's the only program in Southern California and there's only two Accredited uh, programs in okay. California at all, and the other one is in San Francisco, but outside of San Francisco, yeah. not really near the city. So I was really, really lucky to get in. Um, and yeah, yeah, the rest was history. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, what are your official degrees and credentials? Sure. So I had to have a certain amount of like psychology classes, prerequisites before applying. So I didn't have all of those for my undergrad. I I think I only had like intro to psych. So I went back and took some classes before Mm -hmm. I applied to LMU. And then my degree from LMU is actually in marriage and family therapy with a specialization in art therapy. Mm-hmm. So I'm technically an associate marriage and family therapist right now, hoping to be a licensed marriage and family therapist pretty soon here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so it's similar in that, like to the program you went to, except it also mm-hmm. integrates art therapy as a specialization. Mm-hmm. And so I have completed my hours right now as a to become a registered art therapist. And then there's an exam you can take if you want to become a board certified art therapist. So Mm -hmm. I'm in the process of studying for that right now. So that's a little bit different than the um, work. You can use the same hours, but it's a little bit different than the amount of hours you need uh, as an associate to become a Mm -hmm. licensed marriage and family therapist. It's a little bit of a different thing. So I hope to be a board certified art therapist, uh, you know, by Mm -hmm. the end of the year here. Wow, that is amazing. Well, congratulations on meeting your hours for that. And that is kind of interesting how it's an added, you know, it's an added test and it's an added number of hours that you have to do kind of in addition to your marriage and family therapy licensure and and all of that. So it's a lot. Yeah. So I did have a, I was getting double supervised. Like I have supervision Mm -hmm. with my supervisor at our office at work Mm -hmm. for my marriage and family therapy. And then I also have an art therapy supervisor who I saw for a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. to meet that requirement as well. Right. Right. 
Makes sense. Okay. Incredible. Incredible. Let's just dive right in here. What do you think some of the misconceptions of art therapy are? Sure. So I think they're probably the biggest misconception of art therapy that I frequently come into contact with is that it's very, like it's for kids. Mm -hmm. It's very childlike and thus not really taken as seriously as other modalities. And, you know, this is a misconception that I definitely challenge. I actively challenge it, Mm -hmm. but it can create like a resistance to using the art, especially if people have, you know, a lot of people have memories of maybe doing something like that when they were younger and and not being you know having a certain memory of that associated with like being a little kid and so I try to challenge that kind of through providing psychoeducation about art therapy but it's always and I'll always offer it to a client but it's really their choice at the end of the day whether they want to engage with the art making or not right But often I can, you know, through educating about it, people tend to soften and open up a little bit to the idea of using it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I had experience with a therapist when I was um, a teenager. Yeah, like late teenager. And I remember she made me do a collage. And I just like was not into it. And I was like, this is such like, yes, like, why am I like cutting out magazine pictures and like pasting it on a, like, I was the type of person that was like not into that specific type of art therapy. And I feel like I wasn't provided any psychoeducation on like why I was doing it. Um, So Mm. that was, that kind of turned me off to it. But I'm wondering, like, what do you, what do you tell people? Like, what's the psychoeducation that makes people kind of like, buy into it and actually, you know, want to do it. Yeah, you were saying you actually had kind of a negative experience with art therapy with a therapist when you created a collage and you were a little bit confused about your create why you were creating it and there wasn't much psychoeducation given about it. So just using that as an example of what, you know, I might do in that instance. I do often do collage as a first intervention usually in the first session as a way to build rapport and collage is actually a really structured material because it is inherently structured in that you know there are lines that you cut there Mm -hmm. is a sense of containment about collage Mm -hmm. and paper Mm -hmm. that puts it There's a continuum of materials in art therapy. All mediums go on this kind of continuum. And so that puts it at the most structured side of that continuum. Mm. Most structured is going to be collage, paper, those type of materials. Least structured, most fluid is going to be watercolor, Mm. something like that. So all throughout you go from, you know, like collage to like, you know, a pencil or marker you might go to oil pastel and Mm -hmm. kind of continue on that until you get you know all the way to watercolor and as the least structured watercolor and you might have noticed this before if you've ever used watercolor 
evokes a lot of emotion because it is such a fluid material. Mm-hmm. Thus, when we're just starting out and building rapport, I would not start with that because it might not feel safe for the client. It might be dysregulating mm-hmm. for the client. Mm-hmm. So starting with a really structured material is going to actually be the safest considering we're just getting to know each other. We're building rapport. So there's mm-hmm. actually a lot of thoughtfulness that goes into the choice of material. But it is always helpful, you know, to explain that and provide that psychoeducation to the client Mm -hmm. at, you know, an age appropriate language, whatever age you're working with. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, even a a kid can understand that this is kind of more structured and containing than Mm -hmm. a painting might be. So, yeah, that's like one bit of um, information that I would impart on a client for sure. Right. Yeah, that is so interesting. I didn't realize that, you know, there was a continuum of mediums. And I can imagine that just based on a client's presenting problem, like let's say, you know, they've come from a from a household or a relationship that was very dysregulating and very kind of out of control, and that's affected themselves, then that could be really therapeutic to work towards the the um you know, the, the lack of control or like facing that, confronting that in therapy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I'm, I consider myself a trauma informed therapist and, you know, safety is always on my mind. And so I'm not going to guide a client into a place that I feel is unsafe for them or uncontained, Mm -hmm. even if we're doing something like watercolor, the idea that you're even creating it on a page or on a canvas, you know, we talk about how that is containing in itself. And, um, you know, art is a really powerful tool for externalizing internal processes, emotions, experiences. Mm-hmm. So making something ex- externalizing, meaning making an internal experience <laughs> external, taking it from inside and kind of putting it outside and into this contained space. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just like therapy in general creates the safe container for the client. Mm-hmm. So does art create a safe container for a client to express it in that way. Right. And then, you know, we always take the utmost care of the piece too. Mm -hmm. Uh, usually I keep pieces with me knowing that, you know, they're safe and protected in my care. And that's Mm -hmm. another thing with art therapy, you know, the honor given and the respect given to the artwork is really important Mm -hmm. because, you know, the client, it can, a client needs to know that like you care about their internal experiences and so by showing that care and respect for their artwork uh you know it it can be actually a powerful rapport building tool Mm -hmm. but also just maybe they haven't had that before you know having that honor and respect given to their experiences and so this is a really a way that you can really show that to a client because this mm-hmm. is actually a piece of artwork that I am holding for you. I am holding this space right. for you and, for, you know, and honoring this and treating it with reverence and things like mm-hmm. that. 
Yeah, yeah, completely. Right. And I'm sure that's so powerful, especially for clients who have never experienced that before. I mean, that's just such a corrective experience for them. So that is really cool. So I think another misconception with art therapy is that it takes on kind of like a Freudian, like, um, like the therapist interprets the art that the client makes, um, Mm -hmm. and kind of makes, you know, an, an idea of what it is. So is there an element of interpretation, whether it's like the role of the therapist or the role of the client in art therapy? Sure. So yeah, of course I've been asked by so many people like my kid drew this, what does it mean? (laughs) Right. Or, um, you know, there's been a lot of studies about, they used to think that, you know, if you do eyes or swirls, that it would mean something diagnostically. Mm -hmm. It, that is something that really doesn't hold truth. (laughs) And so you can use our art as an assessment tool, certainly, mm-hmm. but you, it is not a diagnostic tool in that way. You know, you can't say, oh, this person drew a bunch of eyes, so they <laughs> must have this diagnosis, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that is a misconception mm-hmm. that you can just look at something and, you know, know something like that. But however, a lot of our therapy is about metaphor. Like that is just inherently one of the most important aspects of art therapy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when a client creates a piece, I will offer some metaphors, especially, you know, if I know a client, I know what is going on with them and things that they connect with already. Mm -hmm. I might, you know, I might offer a metaphor that and ask if they if they can connect with that, like if that connects with them or resonates with them at all, you know, and they might be like, no, but often they're like, you know, yeah. And then they're able to kind of use that as a tool to kind of move forward some processing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also art therapy is very process oriented and that's mm-hmm. especially with the clients we work with really a challenge for a lot of folks to stay and what i mean by process oriented is what is important most important in art therapy is everything before the end result so mm-hmm. it's different than an art class right? right in art class you might be graded and sort of given feedback by the teacher on technique and mm-hmm. things like that in art therapy, you're not getting a grade. And sometimes that can be really hard for people to mm-hmm. differentiate. And they have, you know, that body memory of being in art class and maybe yeah. feeling some type of way about that. And so it's, it's, it can be, it can be really uncomfortable Mm-hmm. to create art and it's a really brave act to make a mark on a page or to paint or to you know mm-hmm. start sculpting with clay it's really brave because a lot of folks are pushing through some type of discomfort you know a lot of mm-hmm. people especially the clients we work with when you see a blank page it's like when you're writing like a lot of your insecurities kind of are staring back at you and making that first mark or that first word Mm-hmm. is just such a brave act. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is about the process. So I, and the process is really mindful and really therapeutic. And that mm-hmm. is 
the meat and potatoes of our therapy, it mm. is that it is inherently therapeutic. Like it right. feels good. Mm-hmm. And for some folks, it doesn't yet. And so I try yeah. to through like mindfulness and and checking in with the body a lot. I always ask mm-hmm. a client, like, how does that feel to make that mark? You know, I'll mm-hmm. I'll observe things about the process. Like I noticed that you made a really big gestural movement there. Mm-hmm. Like I wonder how that felt when you did that. Like what does it feel like on the page right now? Mm-hmm. Um, like what I'll really ask a lot of questions to facilitate awareness about the process. Mm-hmm. And the product will always come. It will happen. Yeah. <laughs> but we're trying to bring it to, you know, the nourishing qualities of, of the process. And then when the product does come, cause it always does, you know, I'll ask again, like what it felt like to use the material, um, anything, you know, that came up. And then I will say, you know, if you're comfortable telling me about your piece, share what you want to. And then I will offer, you know, some of my observations and maybe I'll offer some metaphors there and just see if they connect with them. And then mm-hmm. I might say, you know, after discussing this, does anything else um, like now come out to you? Is there anything else that you notice? Uh, anything else you want to discuss? And often people will, through that processing and facilitating that, more mm-hmm. things will come up and they'll be like, oh, I noticed this or I you know, another metaphor came to mind. And so just facilitating its use as like a mindfulness grounding tool, but also like a processing tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That is incredible. And I mean, yeah, that really shows because there's, there's been countless times that I've texted you and been like, Hey, can I come into your office and like use some of your materials? And you're so nice. So you're like, yeah, of course, you know, but unless you have that art therapy background, you really don't know how to use the the mediums in a therapeutic way, you know? And it sounds like you're really engaged with how, what their body's doing and what, you know, paint strokes or everything like that. Um, everything has a purpose which I think a lot of people don't realize. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, it can be, and that is a, you know, a, something we were taught and taught to kind of spread the word on that it can be unsafe for someone without, you know, the proper mm-hmm. training to do art therapy. And so I think a lot of folks, because it's a, such a great way to connect, you know, will use art materials, but it is a little bit different. And so people mm-hmm. have to be like really careful yeah. with that because there is a lot of thoughtfulness and understanding that goes into an education that goes into like mm-hmm. using the art materials in that way, right. you know, and, and there's different ways you can use it too. Like, you know, I might, we were kind of going through what, I might do typically with a client when they're creating art, but also there's different ways you can use it. Like I might have a specific intervention in mind for a client that is, we call a directive. Like we would call a specific intervention that you were going to give that is honing in on like a specific area of exploration, Mm -hmm. directive art therapy. And then if we are just, you know, 
if a client, if I'm just like, wow, that seems really heavy on your heart today. Like, I wonder if you want to explore that through the art, mm-hmm. that would be more like non-directive right. art therapy. So, you know, just kind of exploring and grounding and looking doing like internal inquiry mm-hmm. and in- externalizing internal experience and all of that, we might do something that is much more non-directive. Right. And, but then if I'm, we're, if we're working on something specific, we might do something that is more directive. So, mm-hmm. you know, there are different things that you can do there too. And I don't think people know as much about that either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Can you speak a little bit more about what populations are best suited for art therapy and also the role of the therapist in art therapy? So, you know, it can be a really vulnerable, it is a really vulnerable act to have your art making witnessed by the other, the other being me. And it's sort of a really intimate experience being observed and witnessed in that way. Mm-hmm. And so in that act of observing and witnessing, I, you know, I, I can see things that are going on. I can see internal processes come up. I can notice, you know, if somebody's really hesitant to make a mark on a page, you know, I can see their body language. I can see things that are going on. Mm-hmm. I can, they often will verbalize, you know, things that are going on too. So maybe there's discomfort that's happening. Maybe there's a lot of anxiety coming up, whatever it is. Art therapy is a really wonderful tool in that it will quickly bring into the room what something might take a lot longer to reveal itself through like talk therapy. Mm -hmm. Also really powerful in the context of family therapy. Mm -hmm. You can see relationship dynamics emerge very, very quickly that Mm -hmm. you might not pick up on quite as quickly, you know, mm-hmm. uh, if you're, if you're making, you know, let's say I'm working with some siblings and they're making pe- part, uh, marks on the page, but you know, one elbow is hitting the other and they're like, yeah. you know, get off your side of the page, <laughs> whatever right. is going on. Sometimes actually as an assessment tool, I'll do, you know, with a family, a verbal, nonverbal directive, which is, you know, create art, being able to talk at first, let's say for a certain amount of time, and then we're going to continue not being able to talk Mm. (laughs) and just see what happens there. There's a lot of kind of really nice assessment tools that you can use Mm -hmm. to quickly understand some of those dynamics that are going on with relationships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with the, with the population we work with right now, we -hmm. specialize in treating anxiety and panic related disorders. So Mm -hmm. art making is a really, really great exposure for our perfectionist clients, Mm -hmm. which are many of our clients, right? And just leaning into the discomfort of something not being perfect Mm -hmm. is always going to be, you know, inherent in that process. It's always going to allow an opportunity for exposure there. Mm-hmm. I'm always challenging the notion that perfection exists by leaning into that process 
a lot of activities I might do with clients to challenge that would be like bilateral drawing, like drawing with mm-hmm. right hand, left hand, yeah. uh, drawing with your eyes closed, mm-hmm. making a purposefully, like a piece that you won't like, like a purposefully ugly piece, like choose right. your least favorite color and, you know, choose mm-hmm. your, and, and then ask the client to sit with the discomfort of not liking what they've created yeah, and just seeing what comes up. And in mm-hmm. that, it's like a really awesome exposure opportunity to learn to tolerate that right there's also so much opportunity with the kids that we work with for like decision making Mm -hmm. and you know allowing a kid to try something out try problem solving uh try something out and if it doesn't work you know, and don't step in and do it for them. Be, be like, mm-hmm. well, let's consider our options. Like, what else could we do? It seems like that one didn't work, but like, there's always other ways that we can make it work. What else could we try? Right. And seeing them actually come up with a lot of different options and alternatives. And then, you know, reflecting, wow, you came up with so many different ways to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. And because that directly relates to, you know, our, a lot of our experiences, because we Mm -hmm. often are only thinking of one thing and not being able to tap into that problem solving attitude of like, well, there's a lot of options, but I'm only seeing this one thing. Mm -hmm. And so just really leaning into that with kids is really helpful too. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a super, super awesome tool. (laughs) Wow. So it really seems like you can use art therapy in conjunction with many other theories, you know, you mentioned family therapy and like relational and cognitive behavioral therapy. So you can really just kind of incorporate it with many other interventions and and orientations. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, I often incorporate it as we specialize with cognitive behavioral therapy, I'll incorporate with that with CBT, it's really great with I do it with DBT, you know, there's play therapy. Yeah. I also integrate art therapy into EMDR. Mm. Um, I movement desensitization desensitization <laughs> and reprocessing therapy. Yeah. So it's just like a beautiful tool to support and move the process forward with any type of modality. Right. Especially, you know, even psychoeducation, especially psychoeducation, because if we remember learning something, a lot of people are visual learners that we work with, but also if we remember doing something that was enjoyable while we were learning something, it's more Mm -hmm. likely that that information is going to get integrated and stay with us. Mm -hmm. So if we can remember doing something, it's a nice way to get that information kind of integrated. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's also, you know, it's a powerful tool for storytelling and thus telling our own stories and really gives the opportunity to shift narratives and envision alternate endings and kind of reauthor mm-hmm. our stories and things like that. Powerful tool for identity exploration mm-hmm. and, you know, looking at really wonderful opportunity for building self-esteem mm-hmm. by, you know, creating I can't tell you how many times I've had clients be like, wow, I made this. Like, I can't, <laughs> you know, I can't believe I made my own doll. Or I can't believe I made my own whatever it is. Right. And, 
you know, allowing for just that opportunity to emerge, but really letting them get there themselves. You know, I, and that's, what's different when you have that education, you know, a lot of times it's tough. A lot of times if a kid is doing something and you know, it's might not lead to the desired outcome. Like, Oh, they're using so much glue or they're like doing, and it can be challenging to not, to not want to step in and be like, Oh, I think it might be better if you, you know, do it this way to not want to assist to get to that desired outcome Mm -hmm. or almost being like they, you know, I want them to be successful. So I'm going to step in to avoid a possible, meltdown or feeling like it's not perfect right I mm-hmm. think a lot of parents have a desire to want to do that and so within the art therapy space I'm always challenging like having to sit with my own discomfort and just right. letting the process happen because that is the therapeutic you know that is therapy mm-hmm. we want those things to emerge we want that discomfort to emerge when it doesn't turn out the way that they'd hoped We want them to consider other options. We want them to problem solve. We want them to still feel proud and to have done it themselves, right? And there's so there's so much like in the moment things that are happening depending on how you're using the art therapy. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's it's awesome. It's incredible. (laughs) It is. It's so incredible. So if you could use anything what medium would you love to use in the therapy room that you have not so far? Sure. Um, I, well, I have used it, but not in the way that I would love to is clay. You know, in the future, I would love to my, my five-year dream, maybe Mm -hmm. even longer is to have sort of, um, a really studio based art therapy office mm-hmm. where you know I might have a wheel and a kiln so that I can do art therapy I can offer art therapy on the wheel which is you know you can think it's a powerful mindfulness tool and it's also play is just it lends to the work so well it's like such an emotional material mm-hmm. And I personally love it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it it's just brings a lot out. And it also just the like the sensory quality of it is really cool. Mm-hmm. So in my, you know, my dreams are to have more of an opportunity to offer that in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Well, I will definitely come for some for some fun well I mean yeah therapy can be fun I'll I'll come over when you have the studio I'll come check it out yeah (laughs) definitely be fun (laughs) yeah so fun (laughs) yeah I mean if it was hard hard work all the time it I might not want to come back every week right you kind of have to balance it and know your client and know where they're at and Mm -hmm. you know be able to kind of nourish you know, the, the whole process by offering really enjoyable things. Right. Interspersed with all that hard work that they're doing, right? So that, yeah, you want to keep doing it. (laughs) Completely. Yes. Yes. Amazing. 
Well, is there (laughs) anything else before we wrap up that you would like people to know about art therapy? I just want, I just want everyone to know that you don't need to be a quote unquote artist to engage in art therapy. You know, art therapy is for everyone. And I'm just kind of really deeply passionate about like sharing the healing powers of the creative process with folks and sort of spreading the word how you know imagination and storytelling is just such an important tool mm-hmm. in gaining like insight and challenging harmful patterns and really connecting to like your deepest sense of knowing and you know everyone is creative and art therapy can be beneficial for everyone and mm-hmm. so that is, you know, something that I want everyone to know because I often hear, you know, I'm not an artist. I'm not good at art. And mm-hmm. and that kind of breaks my heart a little bit every time I hear that because there's that idea of like art class coming into play, right? That idea right. of like, I got a bad grade once or my t- teacher told me this once. And so now I'm shut off from having this opportunity to be so nourished by the creative process Mm-hmm. you know, by the visual creative process. And that kind of breaks my heart yeah. to to hear. And I mean, it's, it's really natural because if, you know, if we're not getting the A or whatever, if we're not being told great work, amazing job, especially as a kid in those formative years, we're making assumptions about ourselves, and we might want to protect ourselves by not diving into something that makes us uncomfortable and you know and so yeah I just want everyone to know that it's not about that Mm -hmm. that it's about something deeper and so you know challenging folks to together kind of push through that discomfort to get to the really yummy yumminess (laughs) that is you know creativity and allowing yourself to just like be there and explore that that's like a great gift that you can give to yourself if you're able to push through some of that initial stuff and to get there yeah yeah so true yeah. so true so true well it sounds like you've had great successes with art therapy and have just helped so many people and thank you so much for coming on and just bringing awareness to what art therapy actually is and how it helps people. Um, it was really eye-opening for me and I hope it was really eye-opening for the listeners as well. So thank you so, so much for coming on. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to Just Therapist Things, and I will talk to you soon.